everyone welcome back to another week of point blank we are on episode number seven and before we begin i just want to say thank you to our listeners for supporting the show you know on point blank we always talk about supporting the small wins celebrating the small wins well we had a milestone last week of over a thousand views on our youtube channel so far so we want to say thank you for coming along the journey with us, and we hope that you continue with us along the way. How do you continue with us? Great question. You can follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's Point Blank Pod, and on Instagram, it's The Point Blank Pod. And of course, you can catch us on YouTube every Wednesday morning at 7, p- or 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now that we've gotten that out the way, we got a lot to touch on on the show. Chantel. What do we got on deck for today? Well, before I get to what's on deck, I also just want to say thank you so much for all the support. We really appreciate it. And remember to click that subscribe button if you like what you're doing. And most importantly, be interactive with the show because we want to hear from you because we really do appreciate you checking out our videos and just sticking along with us throughout this ride. So let's get to what's on deck for today. We're going to talk some NFL. There's a team that's struggling that I feel a lot of people had going all the (laughs) way to the Super Bowl. We're going to get to that. And of course, word of the week, question of the week. We're going to do that later on in the show coming up. We're going to talk some NBA as well. Gotta love that NBA drama. It happens all season long. But first, we got to get to a big boxing match that happened this weekend. Yes, I'm talking about Shakur Stevenson and Jamel Herring. Shakur Stevenson wins in the 10th round by stoppage. And now he's a two-weight world champion. It was quite the fight this weekend. Akeem, what were your thoughts on the match? First and foremost, Jamel Herring you know, you know, big up yourself, right? In Jamaica, that's a turn that we say, you know, congratulate yourself for your career. You know, any person that has the courage to serve their country, to come back and try to live a normal life, I have much respect for, because it's not easy to deal with all that trauma. Um, I got to give him his respect before anything. He was my pick to win. I was wrong. And I knew I was wrong, Chantel, after round one. <laughs> Because Jamel stepped away from his game plan, right? I think he forgot that he was the bigger guy, the more experienced guy. And I figured after his win over Carl Frampton, he was about to go to that next level. The confidence was there, right? But he looked flustered the whole time. He didn't take any risk. He didn't use his size. He didn't use that consistent jab that helped him. He tried to fight from a distance for the first four rounds. And you cannot fight Shakur from a distance. He's too much of a technician. He's too smooth. He's too fast, right? I thought Shakur fought a masterful fight. This was the best Shakur that we've seen. I know the last fight, people said that it was boring. And sometimes when you're at an elite level, you know, you kind of play down to your competition sometimes in certain things. And I think that's what he did. But if he puts on this performance for the rest of the way, man, he's going to I'm not a person that likes to put people in certain categories when they aren't here yet, but he is on the verge in the process of being one of the top fighters of all time in that division. If he continues this upward trajectory, this is, this is the Shakur we want to see, right? Um, I saw an article though, Chantel, and it was talking about he wants to fight Tank, right? Ooh, uh... Look, first and foremost, right, I know you excited. I know you got the adrenaline going. I know you put on this masterful performance. If I had to give you a grade, I'm giving you an A, right? I, I just can't be giving you a perfect, perfect just yet. But I'd be giving him an A because I saw some things that I really think Tank would expose. Tank is fast. Tank is powerful, right? But let's just go ahead and fight Oscar Valdez next. Oscar, you can't run from this. Right. So for me, this was a fight that put Shakur in that next caliber, that next tier. But we're not ready for tank yet. We just got to slow it down. But my hat's off to Shakur. Chantel, what was your thoughts? 
Well, I just want to say I did pick Shakur Stevenson to win this fight. Now, I said it would go to unanimous decision. I did not expect a stoppage in the 10th round, but it just showed me and proved, I hope, to a lot of people that Shakur Stevenson, he's the real deal. Listen, Jamel Hearing is a tough fight. Shakur dominated like it was light work, and he displayed <laughs> his skill, speed, defense, and he was throwing some nasty combos. And I was just surprised, like you mentioned, Shakur was walking down the bigger guy in Jamel Herring. So I was surprised at that. You know, there's just so much talk about how Shakur wouldn't be able to handle Jamel on the inside, but he was countering Jamel on the inside. And I was like, damn, like we weren't ready to see everything that Shakur Stevenson put on display for us on Saturday. The one thing that kind of stuck out to me was he heard everyone talking about how his last fight was boring, how he didn't put on a good performance. Well, in this performance against Jamel Herring for the championship, I mean, think about it. He displayed his skill, his speed, his defense, and it was entertaining as hell. He roughed up Jamel Herring. So for me, I'm just very impressed with Shakur Stevenson. Like you said before, you know, he's looking like he could be a face in boxing for a very long time. I expect him to just because he doesn't get touched a lot. There's not a lot of flaws. And in some parts during that fight, when he was, you know, getting his defensive game on, I was like, that kind of looks like Floyd. Like I saw flashes of Floyd in that boxing ring. And it just made me really happy because he put on a beautiful boxing performance. And I was about to ask you, but you already answered, you know, what's next for Shakur Stevenson? Of course, everybody wants him to fight Oscar Valdez, who of course he's the WBC champ. But another guy that I saw people mentioning on Twitter that I would be interested in him fighting, Emmanuel Navarrete, because he does want to move mm. up to 130, right? Imagine that fight. That would be a very interesting fight to see. I would be down for it. But Point Blank wants to know what were your thoughts on the Shakur Stevenson-Jamel Herring fight? And also, who would you like to see Shakur Stevenson fight next? You can hit us up on Twitter, IG, or drop some comments on our YouTube page. Also, don't forget to subscribe. All right. Well, we are going to move along from boxing to the NBA because it's been one week. And things have already popped off. I'm going to start off with just a general question right now because we got a lot to get to, including that 75 players of all time list that came out with so much controversy with that. <laughs> but what team, Akeem, has surprised you so far this season? I know it's been a short week, but what team are you liking right now? Honestly, Chantel, I'm liking the Golden State Warriors right now. They are 3-0, right? They aren't even at full strength yet. And that is a team that is seems like they're figuring things out together collectively, right? You know Steph is going to do his part. He's averaging 31 points, seven, uh, seven assists, and nine rebounds, right? But a superstar, Chantel, is only as good as the people around them. That's supporting cast, right? Draymond filling up the stat sheet, being a force defensively as usual. But Andrew Wiggins pouring in 15 points a game. Like I know he did his he did his thing at Minnesota, but he wasn't he wasn't figuring some things out. Now he's taking some shots. But Jordan Poole pouring in 17 points a game. Damon Lee pouring in 12 points a game. When they get Clay back as he finds his groove, because sometimes as people who watch certain sports, we expect them to come back and to be that same person right away. No, no, Clay's going to take some time to get back into it. But say he comes back, Chantel, and he starts to average his 22, 23, 25, 24 points per game. That's a very dangerous team that can score points. This is a dangerous team going into the playoffs. The Golden State Warriors, the best team in the NBA right now Ooh. so far. Chantel, what, what, what are your thoughts? Who's, who's, giving you that, who's giving you that feeling that they could do something this year? Well, you know what? I'm not going to go with the best team because you already talked about them. The Warriors, they look scary as hell right now. Also, I like that you mentioned that Clay is going to take some time because essentially he hasn't actually played competitive ball in like two years. His last <laughs> game was in that NBA finals in Toronto, you know, where he hurt his knee. So it's going to be kind of a slow grind to get back, but his skills that he possesses, he's one of the best shooters of all time. We're going to get into that, by the way, in just a bit. But um, yeah, like... I think it's going to take him some time, but he's going to come back and he's going to be lethal because he has that skill where, you know, he can drop 
as many buckets behind the arc as you think he can. So I like that pick. But the team that has surprised me the most, and I don't know how you're going to feel about this one, Akeem, the Charlotte Hornets. Okay, LaMelo Ball. I had a feeling you were going to say that. I had a How did you know? I know we talked about this a little bit last night, but listen, LaMelo Ball has picked up where he left off from last season. He continues to show that he's got incredible court vision and he just – actually makes the guys better around him. The one guy that I want to mention, Miles Bridges, he's beasting right now. Like he's a top 10 power forward, dropping 30 points in two consecutive games. I mean, he could actually get you a double double every night if he wants to, or close to it every game, but he's gotten better as well. They have a decent bench in Ish Smith and Cody Martin. Listen, I don't know what's going on with PJ Washington. The only thing I know is that he's killing me in fantasy right now. And I want to put him on the waiver wire, but I got to stick with him. I got to hold on to him because I don't know what's going to happen. But the Charlotte Hornets right now are such a surprise to me because I didn't expect them to be this good at the beginning of the season. But that's the main thing. It's still the beginning of the season. So anything can happen. But from right now, from what I see, the Charlotte Hornets could be one of those sleeper teams that cause a problem in the Eastern Conference. Most surprising team, Chantel. I had a feeling you were going to go there. I know LaMelo is your, you know, I know you're high on him and they still haven't given you your slides yet, right? So I can't just be high oh, on they them and give you your slides, right? <laughs> I don't think so I'm going to ever get them. <laughs> I don't I think that money's gone. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I'm hopeful. I still believe. I still believe, right? Now we're talking about the most surprising team. You know, for me, Chantel, I'm going to throw in a team that you probably didn't think a team would pick, right? The Washington Wizards are 2-0. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. They found a way to win the other day against a good Indiana Pacers team without Bradley Beal at at the helm. Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyle Kuzma, Montreal Harrell are playing like they have something to prove. Now, if they can keep this up and Beal comes back and he goes back to scoring how he did last year, averaging 29, 30 points per game, we can't just look past the Wizards. They surprise me because Kyle, I'm making a comeback Kuzma. Def surprised me because he's averaging 18 and 13 boards right now. Now, I know it's still early. And the question is, can he keep this up? Who knows what the whole season may be, but if this is what they continue to do, right? Kyle is playing free now that he's not with the Lakers and he doesn't have LeBron looking at him on the bench like, yo, what are you doing, right? I think, uh, I think, I think the Wizards could do something. I'm not saying they're going to do, you know, a, a lot of things in the playoffs, but I'm saying they may surprise a lot of people, Chantel. The Washington Wizards are the team that has surprised me so far. I know it's still early, but 2-0 is 2-0. You can tell that Kyle Kuzma is happy that he's not a Laker anymore. What? It's less. He was a different guy. He's, he's I, like, yo, finally. And plus, a lot of things were getting blamed on him as well every time he played, right? He was getting a lot of hate on social media. So it's nice to see Kyle shine. I'm going to kind of hold on to my breath to see if he can do it all season long. But yeah, the Washington Wizards looking good out the gate. Now, we talked a little bit about the Lakers. We got to talk about the one thing everyone's wondering about right now the Lakers and Russell Westbrook's slow start. Akeem, what are your thoughts on this? And what do you think the problem is? You know, Westbrook always has a slow start. So I'm not really surprised. He always kind of struggles in the first half of the season, especially with the new team. It always takes him a while to get going. Um, But that's the thing with the Lakers right now, while they have the pieces, I just think they lack that chemistry. Nobody really knows how to play with each other just yet they're still trying to discover what each role is supposed to do right Westbrook is going to have to slow everything down because he's turning the ball over way too much and he needs to actually become more of a facilitator right his numbers his numbers aren't going to be anything crazy right he's not going to score as much as he was before he's not going to rebound as much as he more but he can average 12 to 13 assists per game you have shooters like Carmelo Anthony you have Anthony Davis who just lobbed the ball up to Anthony Davis. You have LeBron who's cutting. You have all of these pieces who you just have to slow it down and let the play develop and just toss it up. I think he had 11 assists the other day, but we got to slow it down, Russ. You my guy, high energy. I'm <laughs> rocking with you 24-7. I don't know any other player in the league who goes all out the whole 48 minutes of the game. 
but we got to slow it down. We got to facilitate more than just trying to, to dominate. Sometimes you got to go slow for the team to be sped up so they can get back on rhythm. Chantel, what, what are your thoughts about the whole situation with Westbrook? Well, I know a lot of people are sending him a lot of hate on social media. At least that's what I see on my timeline. But I just think Russ doesn't look like himself. Very passive in that first game of the season. I think they're still figuring out his role. And I think Russ doesn't even know his role yet with the Lakers. You know, what is his role? Like, is he the number two guy? Is he the number three guy? What do they essentially want him to do? Do they want him to be more of a facilitator, like you said? I don't think the Lakers know. I don't think Frank Vogel knows. I think they're literally trying to go through the first few weeks and figure it out. So that's all normal to me. But another thing is Frank Vogel, man, he's got to figure out how to control all of these egos on this squad because we know LeBron is, you know, the king on this team. All right. We know everything is essentially going to run through him. But and as much as we said that he took a step back last season in the playoffs, I mean, LeBron is picking up back where he left off in a sense that he's going to get you that triple-double possibly every night. I mean, he looks good, but I don't think anyone knows what their role is. Frank Vogel has to control their egos. You saw Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis getting into it on the sidelines the other night as well. Like, this is ridiculous. So I think, yeah, it was hilarious because you never see AD do something like that, right? And even Dwight, like, I don't know what was going on there. Of course, AD seemed a little teed off with Dwight and like the decisions he made on the court, but like that can't be happening on national television on the sideline when you're the LA Lakers. And where was Frank Vogel during all of that? Like, I don't know, oh, man. man. I, he was trying to, he was like, yo, <laughs> I'm trying to win this game. Otherwise my, my, my seat going to be gone and somebody else going to fill it. Yeah, no, I just, I'm not impressed with what I've seen from the Lakers so far, but the scary thing is they are a playoff team. So once they get on a roll in the playoffs, I mean, I see them going all the way to the finals, but they have to figure it out. I do think Russ plays better on the floor when it's just AD and Mello with him. Mm. That's what I've noticed. At least he looks more comfortable out there when he's actually not on the floor with LeBron, which is really interesting to me. So those are my thoughts. I think the Lakers are still trying to figure out his role. I think Russ is figuring out what his role is on the team and it's going to take some time. But once the Lakers figure it out, they are going to be a problem because like you said, they got Mello who has looked very good and figured out his role on the Lakers. So I think in time, Russ will as well. And we just got to give the Lakers and him some time. No need to panic. If you're a fan of the Lake show, we want to know your thoughts here on point blank. Why do you think Russ has gotten off to a slow start? And what are your thoughts so far on the Lakers? You can hit us up on IG, Twitter, or drop some comments on our YouTube page. Now we got to roll over to the top 75 NBA players of all time, Akeem. I'm sure you've seen the list. It's been all over social media. But what I want to ask is, what were your thoughts on the list? And who do you feel was left off? Chantel, you saw the list. I saw the list. I Googled some of the people on the list. And I congratulate all the people on the list, right? I like when players get their roses and appreciation, Chantel. However, I have three names that should have been on their list. I'm going to go through them real quick. Number one, Chantel, Tracy McGrady, a.k.a. T-Mac, a.k.a. The Big Sleep, who got that nickname because there was a game where he slept until an hour and a half before the game and scored 40 points that night. But from 2001 to 2008, he was one of the most dominant players in the league, including a scoring title during that time. And he didn't average below 21 points in eight years. Now, despite his playoff disappointments, he always did his part to win those games. And look, you when you go on his stats and you look at his playoff numbers, He was averaging 30-plus points during that time. T-Mac should be on that 75. The the other person that is left off the list, Chantel, is Vince Carter, a.k.a. Vince Sanity, a.k.a. half-man, half-amazing. And he was. (laughs) I have one more, a.k.a. Chantel, a.k.a. Mr. I dunk on seven-footers like it's Mm. breakfast. Look, Vince Carter is not only one of the most exciting players of all time, but one of the most influential players of his time. Let's keep it a buck, right? And, and, and let's keep it honest. No one paid much attention to the Toronto Raptors until he got there. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Even Toronto Raptors fans knew they didn't really ride with Toronto Raptors that much until they had something. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna get We the North mad. Look, are you about to get We the North mad? I'm not worried about We the North, right? But in his second year, he averaged 25 points a game. Or in the next year after that, his third year, he averaged 27. And for the next nine years, when he was healthy, averaged nothing less than 21 points per game. He should be on that list. And my last person, Chantel, before I hand it over to you, is a person that plays for the Lakers right now, Dwight Howard, right? His body of work speaks for itself. You know, he, he, he came into the league, right? Well, his career average, I want to say, is between 18 or 16 points and 12 rebounds for his career. Two blocks per game. He's been to eight all-star appearances, five NBA first team, three defensive player of the year. And now he's kind of a hothead sometimes, playing too much fun, having too much games. Now they're taking the game seriously. But we cannot take his resume for play. It's for real. Dwight Howard should be on that list, Chantel. What were your thoughts on your list? Who do you think should have been on the list? Well, first and foremost, congratulations to everyone that made the list. I mean, those are some very influential men and players that are on that list. So it was really cool to see. Now, I had a couple of guys that you already mentioned. I did have T-Mac, seven-time NBA All-Star, two-time mm-hmm. All-NBA First Team, two-time NBA scoring champion. Of course, he's in the Hall of Fame. And then you mentioned Vince Carter, you know, eight-time NBA All-Star, NBA Rookie of the Year. And of course, Akeem, we're from Canada. So we actually know the impact that Vince have. I mean, say what you want about Steve Nash. Of course, in my parts, he's like God around here in Van City. But for me, I think Vince was more influential because he had that Raptors jersey on and everyone was paying attention after there was that slam dunk contest, the NBA All-Star in Oakland. And, you know, Vince kind of just put them on the map. And as much as people don't like the way that he left Toronto, there's still some bitter ass fans in Toronto that are mad about it. Get over it because he put you guys on the map and nobody was checking for the Raptors until Vince Carter was dunking on dudes. And he was carrying those teams to the Eastern Conference playoffs. I mean, one of my most memorable moments, of course, growing up was During the time the Raptors were playing the 76ers, AI, Vince Carter, I was rolling with AI. That's not the problem here. But (laughs) I mean, if Vince hits that shot, it changes the game for the Raptors, right? They go to the Eastern Conference Finals then. But Vince Carter, what he means to Canada, what he means to Toronto, even though there's some bitter ass fans there. I mean, I think he has to be on the list just because of how influential Mm -hmm. he was to this country. How can you leave Vince off that list? Like, I was surprised at that. I was mad at that because Vince also had, you know, a lot of years in the NBA where he was, you know, you could argue at one point he was one or two when it came to the best players in the Eastern Conference. And you could argue that he was a top five player in the league for a very long time. So I was pissed that Vince wasn't on the list. So I think he should be on there. Clay Thompson, which of course was another big one. I really think Clay should have been on the list. Three-time NBA champ, five-time NBA all-star, and let's keep it a buck. Steph and Draymond and Katie don't win it without him. Like you just don't win it without Clay. There's no way. So I think Clay should be on that list. He's one of the best shooters of all time. I was surprised he wasn't on that list because there were some guys like James Harden on the list, you know, who hasn't won an NBA championship. I do think Dame deserves to be on that list. You know my love for Dame, but. He hasn't won a championship either. Clay's got three. Um, but I I don't know, man. So that was another person. And then I got two more guys. Grant Hill, seven-time NBA All-Star, All-NBA First Team, NBA Co-Rookie of the Year, the year him and Jason Kidd were Co-Rookie of the Year. Grant Hill, when he came into the league, you know, everyone talks about how Kobe was the guy that mimicked Jordan. Everybody was saying he was the next Jordan. When Grant Hill was coming into the league, everybody was saying he was the next MJ. He had some great years in Detroit, of course, got into some injuries, then went to Orlando where he was with T-Mac, but he just really couldn't get it going with all those injuries. But Grant Hill had an amazing career. And to me, I cannot believe he's not on this list. I think Grant Hill got snubbed. And the last one is Chris Weber. Five-time mm. NBA All-Star, All-NBA First Team, oh, Rookie yeah. of the Year, NBA Rebounding Leader. You ask a bunch of guys that played during that time C-Web was playing, 
And they all say he was the best player they've ever seen. This is coming from actual NBA players. Like we can chop it up and we can talk about who's the best. But when you actually talk to guys that played in the league and they say Chris Webber was just nasty. Come on, man. How are you going to leave Chris off that list? Also, you know, I have a lot of fam in Sacktown. I spent a lot of summers in Sacktown. And during that time where the Kings were the best of the best and they were like, you know, rivaling with the Lakers, that was some of the best time in basketball that I can remember. And Chris Weber really elevated the Sacramento Kings to what they were. I mean, this was a franchise that didn't have much to be happy about. And Chris Weber was kind of, I don't want to say the one that put them on the map because they have a great history, but he's a big reason why people remember the Sacramento Kings and those LA Lakers you know, rivalries during that time in the late 90s and early 2000s. So Chris Webber to me should be on the list as well. Point Blank wants to know who you think was snubbed on the top 75 NBA list of all time. Let us know. Drop some comments on Twitter, IG, or on YouTube because we want to hear from you. Now, before we get away from the NBA talk, we got to touch on this because this is still an ongoing issue. We've kind of talked about it a bit on Point Blank. Yeah, I'm talking about the Ben Simmons drama. It continues and it hasn't stopped since we stopped talking about it. Akeem, what are your thoughts on this? Now, there's pictures and video of him practicing with a phone in his pocket wearing sweatpants. He was kicked out by head coach, you know, Doc Rivers from practice. He was suspended for the season opener. And, you know, Ben has come out and actually said that he's not mentally ready to play to, you know, his expectations. What are your thoughts on this whole situation? And where do you think the Sixers go from here? Well, you know, Daryl Murray was saying this could be a whole four-year process. I think you're completely bluffing on that because you are not going to endure four years of this. So I see it from both perspectives, right? And 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 I know Ben feels disrespected and he said he does not want to play uh, there anymore, but they've also invested a lot of money in him. And, you know, for me, you should have just said, I'm not mentally ready to be at the facility than to go at the facility and not get better right because that's opportunities and chances to still be able to compete with some of the best in the world even though your teammates even though you don't want to be there though your whole life has been basketball right so if you don't want to be there right you should have said that early and say look I'm not mentally physically ready to even be here but if you're going to go to show up even if you don't want anything to do with your teammates man for me I don't have a problem. I mean, I've done it before. I don't have a problem with going to a facility and putting the work in and going to do all these things. And then once that is done, those activities are done, dipping out and leaving and going and doing my thing, right? But I think during this whole process, you know, I hope he's still practicing, right? I hope he's still doing his thing. I hope he's still able to develop his games because the longer that you sit out, the more that you're not getting better right? The more that you are going to become an afterthought to people because sports life is a very, very, very short life. It's what have you done lately? What have I seen lately, right? So I don't think Daryl Moore is going to endure four years of this, right? I think that everybody's going to get fed up and they are going to force somebody's hand. But if I'm Ben, right, I'm coming in, I got my headphones in, I'm giving head nod, like, you know, when you see someone, and they say, oh, what's up, man? But you don't really know their name, but you're like, oh, yo, what's up, bro? Everything's straight. I'm doing that. And I'm going, I'm collecting my checks. I'm not losing the check. I'm going to collect the check. I'm going to go in and do my thing. Head nods. I'm going to go get my 15 points, my eight boards, my seven assists, my three steals, get my defensive player of the year nomination and all these different things and keep it rocking, right? Because at the end of the day, you want to hoop, right? The longer you sit out, the more you may lose the love for the game. And the more the people may forget about you. What are your thoughts on the situation, Chantel? Man, I think it's an absolute mess in Philly right now. Daryl Morey, for him to say this could last up to four years, man, come on. And he's tripping, right? Like, how can you do this to somebody that has actually said that he's not mentally ready? And that's kind of what I want to focus on. Ben has literally come out and said, hey, I'm not mentally ready to play up to anyone's expectations, even mine right now. And so that makes me, I feel bad for him, man, because he put in the situation where he obviously doesn't want to play for this team. And he's doing what superstars have done in the past where they've come out and said, Hey, you know what? I want to get up and out of here. James Harden did it last season. He had a big contract to move. 
he got it moved. The Sixers can move Ben Simmons, but what they're asking for Ben Simmons is a whole lot. Listen, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're drinking in Philly. Okay. I have no idea what it is, but you cannot ask for what they asked, like CJ McCollum, three first round draft picks. I don't know what it was. It was worse than what the Raptors asked for Kyle Lowry before the trade deadline. It was insane. And I feel bad for Ben Simmons, man, because they should just move him. Like this is a big distraction for the whole entire team. Philly's looked all right so far and guys have stepped up. But if you really want to win a championship, you want to get rid of all this drama surrounding Ben Simmons. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't care about the team. And mentally, he just he's checked out, man. So if someone's telling you, hey, I'm mentally not there. I do not want to play for this team. Why are you putting this young man through even more? To me, it's absolutely disgusting. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Ben. Like, he has a job to do, right? He is an NBA player. He signed a contract. He signed an extension that he was going to be in Philly. So, of course, he has to do his part too. But we got to understand that it's more than that. These Philly fans are brutal. They booed Santa Claus. Okay, I don't know anybody else who booed Santa Claus. Philly booed Santa Claus. I believe they also booed when Michael Irvin broke his neck. Like, they're just rowdy fans, right? So, listen, Philly... Tough city. Philly's not going to give any love to Ben. And that's another thing. I think he's trying to avoid playing in front of that Philadelphia crowd. And that's okay. Maybe he's not ready for it. But Daryl Morey, like, just trade him. Okay, you're not going to get what you want for him. Trade the guy. Because right now, he's not mentally ready. And who knows what type of other pressures and depression you're putting him through. Like, why is nobody thinking about this? So for me, I think Daryl Morey has to get it together. I think the Sixers should trade Ben for whatever they get. Daryl Morey, the 76ers, trade Ben. Give him that trade. Let him feel better. You'll feel better. You'll get something back. You won't probably get the value that you want, but man, they, they got to trade him. So Point Blank wants to know what you think about the Ben Simmons drama going on in Philly. Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter, IG, or drop some comments in our YouTube section. All right. Well, we're going to move from the hardwood to the gridiron. We got to talk some NFL because there is drama in Kansas City. Oh, yeah. Three and four on the season below 500. They just got smacked around by Tennessee. (laughs) 27 to three. Akeem, I see you laughing, but I mean, what's wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs and can they turn it around? Yeah, I, I laugh because the way how you accentuate certain words is just funny to me. You know, I think I think the Kansas City Chiefs, they've had the same problems, but it just is now getting magnified. Their weak point is their line, right? And how long can you ask someone to stay in the pocket for until those hits start to become harder? How long can you ask someone to to protect them and you're running? Man, there's no way that a quarterback, right, should be in the offseason practicing behind-the-back passes, practicing side passes. That means that you don't really trust that they're going to protect you, right? So I think the issue there is what we're seeing unfold, right? And, yeah, he didn't finish the game yesterday, but now you get to see. Who are the Chiefs without Patrick Mahomes? Who are the Chiefs if they don't if they don't get off to that hot start? Well, they score like three points. What is, is that ever going to win a championship? Absolutely not, right? So I think we are just starting to see their weak points. Apart from the see, we can't even talk about their defense anymore because <laughs> you know the defense <laughs> wasn't the strongest point to begin with. But now you're starting to see that offensive line is becoming a little bit more exposed. Right. And all of the things that creates that high power that the Kansas City have to score points. If you don't have three seconds to throw the ball, you don't have time to score any points. And this is what we're kind of seeing. So at the beginning, we said the Chiefs are going to be in the Super Bowl. I don't think so anymore. Mm. I I think they're still going to have a winning season. But are they going to be champions? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think so, Chantel. I was a little bit hurt because I, I, I was a little bit hurt. What, what, what are your thoughts? What did you see? Well, first off, I'm not hurt because 
they play in the same division as the Raiders, who are five and two. Who are not but, going to the Super Bowl either. But uh, they're not going to the Super Bowl, but they're gonna they're gonna do some scary damage in the playoffs. You just <laughs> mark my words here, okay? You know, okay, I don't even care if they like win one game or if they don't. If they make the postseason, like the expectations, but I think they're gonna do some damage. That's besides the point. Let's get to the Chiefs, all right? Listen, I've said this before on the show. The Kansas City Chiefs O-line is straight trash. In fact, it's a dumpster at this point, okay? There's no protection for Patrick Mahomes, and we saw him get hurt. It's It's a a dumpster. It's a dumpster, and the dumpster's on fire right now, Akeem, okay? That dumpster is stank right now, and so is that O-line. Listen, he got sacked by Danico Autry twice. I mean, I think... Bud Dupree had a sack. Harold Landry had a sack. Like guys were getting in their bag on the D line for Tennessee. So let's give them some props, but defensively they're trash too. Okay. There's two dumpsters beside each other right now. They can't stop nobody. They couldn't stop my grandma up the gut. Like, let's just be serious here. <laughs> Wait, how right now again, 80 something. Yeah, she's like in her mid 80s. So but she's quick. Okay. And I don't think that the Kansas City Chiefs could stop anybody right now. Like it is an absolute shame. Like jokes all aside, they're not going to the Super Bowl unless they get this figured out. I do think that Patrick Mahomes is talented enough where they can have a winning record. But I don't see them going far into the playoffs with the team that they have right now. And it just seems like Patrick Mahomes, of course, it's been in the spotlight. He's making a lot more mistakes than he ever has. And I think that's because he's taking a lot more risks, risks that he actually shouldn't be taking. I mean, he's trying to force the ball into some situations where it shouldn't be forced at all. And then you're also just talking about deflections where things just end up going the wrong way and that can happen in football. But from what I see from the Kansas City Chiefs, can they turn it around? I think they can have a winning record, but they're playing in a very tough division. I mean, the Chargers are nothing to play with either. And when it comes to stacking them up against the teams in the AFC, listen, they can have a winning record. Do I see them making the postseason? If they turn around things mad quick, possibly, but I think their Super Bowl dreams are in the same dumpster as their O-line and their defense. And I think it's a wrap for the Chiefs. They can turn it around and have a winning record, though. Point Blank wants to know what you think of the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you think they're going to turn it around this season? What are your thoughts on Patrick Mahomes? You can let us know on Twitter, IG, or drop some comments in the YouTube section. All right. Now, before we get away from football, we got to talk about the Thursday nighter. It's a good one. An NFC battle, the Green Bay Packers, who are six and one versus the undefeated Arizona Cardinals. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Akeem, who do you have for this game? I think this is going to be a battle of both quarterbacks at its finest. I think this is going to be a high scoring game. I think both teams are going to score for 30 points and it's going to be who has the ball last minute. This is a big game, not only for the Arizona Cardinals, but for Kyler Murray. Can you beat the Green Bay Packers over there with Aaron Rodgers in that defense? Can you beat Aaron Rodgers head to head? Can you handle the pressure? of one of the top teams in the league, right? Can you be consistent enough to lead your team down the field if you have to on the last drive? Can you lead your team to a victory? I'm going to have to go with the Green Bay Packers in this moment. I believe Aaron Rodgers has been in this situation before. He knows what's on stake. And right now they are playing like a team that has something to prove. Yes, we say that often on this show. Absolutely. As, as, as in the NFL and the NBA, you always have something to prove. But I think he took it a little bit personal when, Chant- when he heard Chantel say, if he doesn't cut his hair, he's not going to do anything this season. And he's not cutting it, Chantel. He's not cutting it, but he is still doing damage. I think the Green Bay Packers winning this game 30 to 33. What are your thoughts? You know what? I'm going the opposite way, Akeem. Listen, I also agree that it's going to be a high-scoring affair. We're going to see Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray in a shootout. The one thing that I know about the Packers is they haven't played anybody this season. Other than possibly maybe now I'm thinking that the Cincinnati Bengals were actually not as bad as I had said they were. They kind of look like a scary team as well in the AFC. Do not sleep on them. However, I don't feel like Green Bay has beat anybody 
Meanwhile, the Arizona Cardinals play in the toughest division in football, and they got some wins on their belt. So I'm rolling with Kyler Murray in the Arizona Cardinals. They have yet to lose a game this season, which means, yeah, they're undefeated at home. Now, whichever quarterback has the better game, that's who will win. Like Akeem said, I think it might come down to possibly the last play in the game. We've seen Kyler Murray win games you know, Hail Marys. We've seen Aaron Rodgers do it, but I'm rolling with the Arizona Cardinals because I think overall they are the better team. Point Blank wants to know who you got for Thursday night football, the Arizona Cardinals or the Green Bay Packers. Let us know. Drop some comments on Twitter, IG, or on YouTube. All right, we're going to move now from the gridiron to the diamond because Yes, it's the World Series, and the matchup has officially been set. I'm talking about the Atlanta Braves versus the Houston Astros. Akeem, quick predictions. Well, I know it's very hard for a team in any sport to repeat, let alone make the, fi- or to make the finals and let alone win, right? I think the Atlanta Braves have the psychological edge going into the World Series against the Astros because they knocked off a team that you were high on and the defending champs, the LA Dodgers, right? Um, offensively, the Braves will need Freddie Freeman, Eddie Rosario and Austin Riley to really come up big. If they don't get the home runs, they got to get the bases on, right? Because on the Astro side, man, they just blanked a team in the playoffs at one of the most high pressure moments to get into the World Series, right? And I think, honestly, I really like what Luis Garcia was doing. First of all, he's a rookie, but he's a 24 year old rookie, right? There's a difference between being a rookie is 19, maybe 20, but being a 24 year old rookie who is poised and mature and confident and was playing like he was a 16 year old veteran, right? I think in this one, Chantel, I gotta go with the Houston Astros because they just, again, right? Defense when it's a lot of things, right? And the pitcher has to set the tone. And from what I seen from the Astros and Luis Garcia versus Ian Anderson and what the Braves did, if that's what they're gonna go out with, then I have to believe that Garcia is going to keep that same composure and give them that start in the first bit that they need. And I just think the Houston Astros collectively, that chemistry that I saw, I got to go with the Houston Astros being the World Series champion. Chantel, what are your thoughts? And how are you feeling that the Dodgers are not are not going back there again? You good? Um, well, before we get to the Dodgers, how many games you got the Strohs? 4-2. Okay, nice. Okay. Four so, two. listen, I'm, I was upset about the Dodgers. I don't think Corey Seager is going to return. I think he's going to hit free agency. But most importantly, I think the Dodgers still have a really good core. I think Dave Roberts will get it together. I'm still hype about them winning last season. So I'm going (laughs) to ride that wave because I've never seen the Dodgers win, you know, until they won last season. The last time they had won was like 1988. I wasn't born. So, you know, that was the first time I ever saw the Dodgers win the World Series. So for me, that was huge. Um, but I think the better team won the Alana Braves won and it just seemed like they wanted it more from what I was seeing. So shout out to the Braves. I mean, this is their first time heading back to the world series since 1999. The last time they won it was in 1995 when they had Chipper Jones. I mean, that team was absolutely, yeah, that team was incredible, right? You had Fred McGriff, like that was a very, very good team. So it's been a while since Atlanta has, uh, you know, won the world series. So for the Houston Astros, Atlanta Braves for, you know, the 2021 world series, listen, this is how I'm going to break it down right now. The Braves, when you look at it, they do have a great starting rotation, better than the Astros. But what I saw from, you know, Fran Barf Valdez, from Garcia, they were impressive as hell in the ALCS, okay? They were rolling for Houston. So I think mm-hmm. if they can, you know, do that in the World Series, the Houston Astros are going to be an absolute problem. Houston's bullpen, I was feeling them during the ALCS. They also, I think, have the edge offensively over the Braves. I know what you're saying. The Braves got hitters too, but Jordan Alvarez, he had a breakout season this year that I don't think anybody expected. And some may possibly say that he could be the best hitter in this series. So I give the edge to the Astros offensively as well. You know, Eddie Rosario has to continue to ball out. They do have offensive power, though. 
But for me, I think the Houston Astros are playing for more than this championship. They got to clear their day. We talked about the Dodgers. What I wanted, I wanted a rematch of the 2017 <laughs> World Series with the Dodgers and the Astros because the Houston Astros are some cheetahs. Okay. There's some cheaters and they stole that championship. They cheated. So they have a lot to prove in this World Series because they want to get away from that whole narrative that they're a bunch of cheaters. So they got a lot more that they're playing for. So I actually think the Houston Astros are going to defeat the Atlanta Braves in the World Series in five games. I'm going with the Strohs in five. I think when it comes to pitching, if they can do anything like they did in the ALCS, they're going to smoke out the Braves. And also I give them the edge offensively. But Point Blank wants to know who you have for the World Series, the Atlanta Braves or the Houston Astros. You can let us know on Twitter, IG, or drop some comments on our YouTube page. All right, now we're going to bring this segment back because I had a lot of fun doing this last time. Believe it or not, Akeem, why don't you explain what believe it or not is? So believe it or not is our rapid fire questionnaire, right? We're going to ask three questions and these three questions, whatever comes to your mind, that is what you should say. So tell, are you ready for this week's segment of believe it or not? Never been more ready. Why don't you go first? LeBron James leads the Lakers to a title this year. Don't believe it. She does not I do believe not believe it. it. Not, no, believe not, not this year. Not this year. Charlotte Hornets plays six seed or above in the Eastern Conference. I believe it. I'll believe it. I'll believe it. I believe that they All can right. do so. They got a lot of nice chemistry that I saw. I'll believe it. George Cambrosis beats Tiafima Lopez. Not believing it. Not believing it one bit. The Kansas City Chiefs still make the postseason. I believe it. I believe they will. I believe they will do enough and they'll figure it out. That, that core of that offensive firepower is still there apart from the line doesn't want to show up, but that core is still there. And I think they'll find a way to do it. Chantel, this is one last question, right? Are you ready for it? Yes. Chantel Shan can raise her eyebrow like the rock. Believe it or not. Better believe it. Should I do. I don't want to do it right now. I'm under no, no, pressure. No, can I? Can I just do it? No, 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 no. It's probably no. It's like a lob. I set it up. I set it up. Can can in order to believe it, sometimes you got to be able to see it, right? So I'm just. I know, but I'm like all nervous now. I'm all people, shy now. You probably the, the people want to know. Should we believe it? <laughs> okay, not? then they they can drop some comments below. But listen, you caught me off guard. Then now I'm all like stressed out. I gotta raise my eyebrow. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do it right now, but I will before the show ends or possibly next episode. So check out Point Blank episode number eight coming to you next. Looking week. like a true saleswoman. <laughs> yeah, if you want to see me raise my eyebrow, you gotta you gotta wait till episode number eight. All right, this is the last one. Ben Simmons gets traded before the deadline. I don't believe it. No, I think. Uh... I think Ben Simmons is going to be in the Philadelphia lineup. I'm not sure when, but I don't think he's getting traded anytime soon. All right. And that's Believe It or Not. If you want to interact with our Believe It or Not, you can hit up us on Twitter, IG, or drop some comments in our YouTube section. And of course, you'll see on the screen and in the description on the ways that you can connect with us. So this week, as we are narrowing it down, right, we had a bunch of different things going into our word of the week. You know, Chantel caught me off guard. She made me pick one of these two um, that I believe are both valuable. Um, you know, last week we spoke about patience. And this week, the word of the week is trust. You know, I started off last week, but Chantel, I want you to give me your thoughts on um, what does trust mean to you, right? Last week, we talked about patience, waiting with expectation and trying to be, keep a positive attitude as we're waiting for that breakthrough. But how important is it to trust that process? How is it important to trust the people around you? What does trust mean to you? I think trust is something that's built over time. Now, when it's just you, and you're working towards something and you're trusting the process, that's all on you. And I also think it's tied into how much you believe in yourself because you know if you're putting in those hours and you're preparing and you're working hard, 
that obviously, you know, when you're going to be put on the spot that you trust in your abilities, that you'll be able to perform in whatever it is that you want to do. So I think the trust in yourself is tied into believing in yourself. I really do believe if you're always prepared, then you're always ready to go. And that means you really believe in yourself and you got that trust in yourself that you're going to be able to accomplish whatever you want to do. Now, when it comes to trusting people, I'm not going to lie. I do not trust a lot of people. In fact, that's something that's earned over time. And I think that just depends on the experiences you've been through in your life or, you know, what's happened in your life recently. So I think for me, trusting the people around you, that is something that happens over time as well. I mean, I continue to use the word journey here on this episode, but for me, you know how, what is it? It's that J. Cole song where he's like, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me, right? Only once, only one strike for me. And then the trust is gone, right? I don't even let you walk or like a ball, like, no, like it's just one strike for me. So, because I really think, I believe in second chances, but I also believe that when someone shows you who they are the first time, believe them. And I've always kind of stuck by that. So for me, I definitely have confidence in myself and trust in myself because I know the type of preparation I do into preparing for, you know, things that I want to accomplish or things that I want to pursue. But when it comes to trusting people, I think I have, you know, I can count on my fingers how many people that I trust in this world. So I know it's different for, for everybody, but Akeem, what does the word trust mean to you? You know, I like the angle that you went there. You kind of went from two angles, one from like a business aspect of things, uh, a journey purpose, and then you went from a relational side of things. I'm going to do the same thing real quick. You know, I think when it comes to goals, dreams, and aspirations, the thing that you believe in, there's a certain level of trust that you have to have because your trust and your belief are intertwined with each other, right? And so there are going to be moments where you are going to have to trust that you're smart enough to figure out the next pieces when you're trying to work towards something. Right. There are moments where you are going to have to trust that God is going to put the right people and the right steps and the right things into your life if you can continue moving forward. One of the things people always say, and we hear it all the time, is to trust the process, trust the process. But to be quite honest, all the process ain't fun. Let's just keep it 100% honest. All of that process is not fun. But that doesn't mean you don't trust it anyway right? You got to trust that at the appointed time, because you've put in the work, because you've been faithful to your craft, because you've been putting in the work behind closed doors, because you are who you say you are, that you trust that you will be able to uncover and discover and push past whatever may come your way in order to make whatever it is that you have in your heart to become a reality. Now, when we're talking about trusting people, Chantel, um, that's something that is not easy for me to do. It actually took me 18 years to ask for help. And it wasn't because I didn't want the help. I needed the help. But I didn't trust that the help was going to come, right? Because going through my life in my stages, right, people always let me down. Growing up as a kid, the people that I would trust are the same people that would let me down. So why would I continue to trust people if the results and the experiences have not been a good one? But I understand that the people that you trust, there's certain things that you have to ask yourself. One of the things, as dark as it may seem, as I'm about to explain it, one of the things when it comes to my circle and the people who I let into my life and the people that I share my dreams and my deepest thoughts with, I always ask myself, is the people that I trust, if I was to get sick and I was in the hospital, would they come and visit and stay? A lot of people, Chantel, they would come in the hospital and visit you once, but would they stay? Would they fly across the country to come and visit you and stay? And so if you can think about that and you have those people in your life, that is a complete blessing. And that is the trust that you should always carry and apply that to the rest of your life, right? So for me, when I think about trust, you know, I think about everything that I'm trying to be can the same people hold me accountable as much as I hold them as well too? So that is what trust means to me. And you know, if you're watching this, you know, each week we do a word of the week. We would like to know what trust means to you. Maybe you have a story. Maybe you have a moment. Maybe you didn't go so well. I would love to know. We would love to know a moment where you had to trust the process or trust something or maybe someone you trusted too much because in life you either learn what to do or what not to do. 
Thank you for sharing that, by the way. I really appreciate that. Uh, well, you know, these are these are these are extreme things that I ask myself because, you know, I think in moments we have to understand that it's not always going to be good. And if the people only love you and appreciate you and respect you when things are going well, then that relationship has an expiration date and everything yeah. has an expiration date. But we want certain things to be able to stick with us throughout our time. So with that being said, Chantel, you know, we can't leave without asking the question of the week. What, what would point blank be if we didn't ask the question of the week? You know what I'm saying? And this is one that you brought to the table. And I was trying to really think about this question. So I'm going to let you go first before I take in and give my main point behind us. Now we know Halloween is coming up soon. A lot of people are doing some crazy things. Make sure you stay safe. And I just want to let you know, if you come to the Haynes household, wearing a squid game outfit, I will not be <laughs> delivering you candy. I will not open the door. You know, I'm, I'm just letting you know from, I'm just letting you know on point blank and tell you that it is point blank. But the question- What type of, what type of candy does the Haynes uh, family give out? Um, apples, bananas, celery. We're not serving candy. We, we provide Damn, I knew good it. health over here. Do not go to the Haynes house. <laughs> right. Don't you come. Don't, don't, no. <laughs> don't, don't come. Akeem loves the kids. But look, I'm playing, but... you may get a smoothie. <laughs> That's cool, though. Smoothie. I like that. You're, you're changing it. But do you remember back in the day when like houses used to give like big chips or like sodas like and you'd be like or like the big chocolate bars and you'd be like, yo, that house is giving away the big chocolate bars. They don't do Halloween like they did in the 90s. They getting stingy, but the question of the week, Chantel, yeah. is what is one of the most embarrassing moments that you've had in your life, Chantel? All right, so I'm going to take it back to 12th grade in high school. And by the way, I embarrass myself in public at least once a day. So um, I'm going to take it back to high school. I took this class called law because at one point I was like, I'm gonna be a lawyer. So I took law, and it was also an easy class to bump up my GPA, right? So I take law and one of the field trips is we got, we get to go to the courts and, um, you know, watch like a real court case or whatever. And so they told us, they were like, make sure you turn off your phone. Like, I don't want to hear anyone's cell phones go off. Right. And this is during the time where like, you know, like the, the flip phones are in and my mom, like, I actually didn't get my first cell phone until like I graduated high school and I was like, I'm going to get my own phone and I'm, I'm, I'm older. So anyways, I'm <laughs> I'm not that much older but anyways so they told us to like shut off our cell phones right and so I used to just like you know me and my mom would just like have a cell phone and like you know if I was like in trouble or need to get someone to pick me up I would use the cell phone so I'd have that cell phone but I didn't know how to use all of it because it was like it wasn't that cool of a cell phone so we're in the courtroom and um, it's like at the peak of like the court case right like someone standing like you know on the stand and they're like literally interrogating him about what happened about this car accident. And all of a sudden, someone's phone goes off, right? And, and I'm just like sitting there like, Oh, my God, whose phone is this? This is so embarrassing. You better turn this off. And the phone's like going off for like 30 seconds, right? And I'm just like sitting there. And all of a sudden, the judge and like everyone turns and starts looking at me because they can hear the sound is coming from me. Right. And I'm just all pissed off. And I'm just like, wait, why is everybody staring at me? And then all of a sudden I can hear it coming from my pocket. Mm. And so I take it out and I didn't know how to turn it off though. It was like a weird alarm that was going off. So then I like took out the battery and this oh. is in front of like a full courtroom of people. And I'm only like, I think I'm like 17 and I take out the battery and I like pull it out. And then everybody's like looking at me. And then I just look at the judge and I'm like, sorry. <laughs> it was like the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me. Cause there were so many people in that courtroom and I felt so stupid, but that's my most embarrassing moment. Akeem, what is your most embarrassing moment? You know, you've been around for a while when you said I had to pull out the battery. You know, that, that is. Yes. That hey, is I haven't been around for too long, man. Come on. Anyways, what's your most embarrassing moment? I really thought about this until I, I don't really have a lot of embarrassing moments. Well, in public, because, you know, I really don't know. I Contrary to what people think, I really don't say much, you know, so I'm really low key. But I remember. Um, at the time in high school, right? You know, I used to have a bad stuttering problem for people who 
you know, maybe haven't heard me speak or I haven't said it. We used to be very bad, like very, 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 very bad to the point where I would become quiet. You know, I think that's part of the reason why I actually became a good listener because I was afraid to talk. And I remember I was in class, right? And it's always English class. And I hated going to English class some days because there would be a time where the teacher would force everybody to read a certain part in the book, right? And so I always knew when I was going to be because you could always tell, right? You know, this person started here, we're going left to right, left to right, and then we're coming back. So I would always skim and make sure that I could pronounce all of the words um, that was on the paper. But on this particular time, right, I don't know what was happening. I was zoned out and it came to me. Now, there was some words that I thought I knew, but as I was reading it out loud, I got to a word like, you know, one of those words where like it has like a silent letter. Yeah. Right. Like, like, like knife. Right. Like, why is there a K in knife? Right. Should, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> And I remember I was going and I was confident. I don't remember what the word was be, but I was confident that I was saying this word correctly. And then the whole classroom started to laugh. And as they were laughing, I started to get, you know, a little bit defensive because I'm just like, yo, I'm going to have to fight everybody now in the class, right? So that was, that was something that, that I guess was embarrassing to me, but like, I just kind of just corrected it and just kept it pushing, you know, but Shout out to all the people out there who read their work before they actually have to read it out loud. You know what I'm saying? We got to stick together and not make us look bad. But look, Point Blank would love to know some of your most embarrassing moments, right? Let us know in the comments. We would love to hear, right? Hey, look, if you can't laugh at yourself, man, what is life really about? Don't be afraid to laugh at yourself, right? So what another episode of Point Blank? That's number seven. If you are enjoying what you see so far, enjoying the content, make sure you do us a huge favor and subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit us up on social media, on Twitter, it's the Point Blank Pod. At Instagram, it's at the Point Blank Pod. Make sure you interact with us and let us know your thoughts and let us know what you think of the show so far. So with that being said, Chantel, I am Akeem Haynes. I'm Chantel Chan. Look, and this is Point Blank, but remember, if you want to see Chantel raise her eyebrow, look, next week, right? You gotta Episode eight. Put some pressure on her in the comments, right? So so she got to do it. We caught her off guard today, but next week, I'm sure that she will do it. And again, this is Point Blank. And we're out. <laughs>